Aloha. Welcome to the Mr. G podcast. This is episode 33. Today is Monday morning, June 19th, a little after 7 a.m., a little after 8 a.m. It's 75 degrees here on the outskirts of Chinatown in Honolulu, Hawaii, the largest city in the Pacific, the gateway to the Pacific. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about one of the great universities in the United States, UCLA. On tomorrow's show, We're going to be talking about one of the great private schools in the United States, UCLA's in-town rival, USC. We're going to talk about uh, famous UCLA graduates and famous USC graduates tomorrow. But today, famous UCLA UCLA graduates, UCLA history and traditions, and a lot of fun facts about UCLA that I'm sure you did not know. Personally, I'm not a UCLA graduate. I went to the University of Texas in Austin. Um, my history with UCLA is recently yesterday, I saw a video of a, an a individual going to a football game and he was dressed in uh, Michigan, uh, out uh, gear, like a Michigan hat, Michigan football uniform. And he was going to the Michigan, Ohio state game, except he was walking on the Ohio state campus. And he made a video about how mean the Ohio state student fans were they were all cursing him. They're like, F you, go back to where you came from. You suck. You know, Michigan sucks. And I understand they're a rivalry and whatnot. But I was very surprised on how their home team, he was walking on the uh, Ohio State campus and he was wearing Michigan gear and everybody was so mean to him. Because in my history with UCLA in particular, I went to the University of Texas and University of Texas is known for their football team. They have one of the largest football stadiums in the United States. It seats 100,000 people as the largest TV screen in the world or something like that. Next to Jerry World in Dallas. But um, I had graduated in 2010 and this must have been late 2010 after I had already graduated. Uh, So maybe, uh, yeah. Fall 2010, I suppose, because I graduated in spring 2010. So fall 2010, and I had just gotten a, a job, a day job working at the football game in the merchandise area, selling all types of Longhorn, like uh, University of Texas, like shirts and hats, which is a big deal, which is a big profit for the school and for the football team. And it was UCLA at the University of Texas uh, so UCLA's they're they're known for being good in sports, but not as good in football at this, the University of Texas. But in this particular game, uh, UT Austin was having their football team was having an Longhorns were having an off year, and uh, UCLA got the better of the Longhorns, and it was pretty much a blowout. Uh, the UCLA Bruins um, were uh, blew out the Longhorn football team, and they were up by you know like. 20 points at halftime and by that time by the third quarter started it was basically all already said and done and so um a lot of the fans were leaving and stuff but while i was selling the merchandise it wasn't something that i did every football game i maybe worked a few a couple football games but on this particular game the ucla game there were a lot of ucla fans that came into my little kiosk and they bought loads of longhorn merchandise and I think we were selling some UCLA stuff as well, uh, but uh, they were they they were the best uh, winners. They didn't like gloat or rub it in, and they um, uh, they bought UCLA. Uh, I mean, they bought Longhorn. The UCLA fans they were dressed in UCLA gear. 
they bought Longhorn stuff, even though their team had just beat the Longhorns. And to tell you another thing, um, we talked about time travel last week, and I told you that I've met a couple time travelers. And if you wanted to meet any particular person in history and you wanted to know where they were at any particular time, you would use an event like that. So me on this podcast, broadcasting to the world right now, I let everybody know through the uh, entirety of uh, history and the future that on this day, on this Saturday, I worked in a kiosk on the day that UCLA played the University of Texas in Austin in 2011. So if you want to know where I was at this particular moment, at this particular time, if you were a time traveler and you wanted to speak to me and you wanted to talk to me, that would be a good uh, spot to pick out. And um, we'll get to that in another episode, but I have much respect for UCLA, you know, because of the time travelers I've met from there, but also because uh, how respectful the other people uh, that bought University of Texas merchandise were. And like I said, I saw that video on TikTok yesterday on how rude the Ohio State fans were just throwing things at the Michigan fan and being just rude. And uh, that's something that would not happen on the 40 acres campus where I went to school, the University of Texas. So we're not going to do any Michigan uh, episodes on the Mr. G podcast. We're not going to do an Ohio State episode on the Mr. G podcast. We're going to talk about UCLA today. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about their in-state, in-town rival USC. And on Wednesday, we're going to talk about the University of Berkeley. And as far as public institutions, public universities in the United States goes, as far as uh, public Ivy League schools, uh, University of Berkeley is the well, most well-known. They probably have the most Nobel Prize winners. and uh, But UCLA probably has the most... Um, successful uh, film graduates and film students and acting and entertaining and also research. We'll learn more about UCLA today, but USC and UCLA for the last 120, 140 years have been competing as far as the top, two of the top entertainment schools. Normally, I wouldn't cover a private school like USC, but I do like USC because of their history with UCLA and also my school, the University of Texas, uh, played some epic uh, football games against uh, USC. All three teams are known for being great in sports. We'll talk about UCLA's dominance, in particular uh, college basketball. They had uh, UCLA had a dominance on college basketball with Coach John Wooden more so than any other sports team in history. Probably USC has been you know good in football and including reading recent years. Uh, but UCLA, as far as sports go, they have, have had a run there when they won, I believe, 10 straight NCAA championships. We'll go on the details here right now. So like most um, state universities, they started in the 19th century in the 1800s. Um, the University of California in Los Angeles actually started as a teacher's college. It... Um, uh, the University of Berkeley, California, predates the University of Cal UCLA. So UCLA, UC Berkeley was around before UCLA. And at that time, it wasn't even considered to have a Southern campus. So as you, you know, uh, Berkeley is in the Bay Area in Northern California. Um, but at this time in the late 1800s in the 19th century, uh, Southern California was growing rapidly, and so they needed a university to teach the, the teachers. 
So um, the UC Regents formally adopted the University of California, Los Angeles name in UCLA, not until 1927. Until that, before that, it was known as the Teachers Normal School. Um, the UCLA without periods would become the preferred stylization uh, in the 1960s. UCLA established itself as a leading research center with global impacts across arts, culture, education, healthcare, technology, and more. Like I said, it's one of the uh, it's the oldest research college with, that, that does top scientific research in the United States. So California State Normal School is what it was called, 1881 to 1919. Um, the actual uh, start started, it was March 1881 by a Latino senator in California, Reginald Francisco del Valle. Uh, he wanted to create a southern branch of the California State Normal School, which is now San Jose State University. And the original location was in downtown Los Angeles to teach teachers and the growing population of Southern California. The Los Angeles branch of the California State Normal School opened in 1882 on September 9th. Um, director uh, Ernest Carroll, director of the Normal School, lobbied the state legislator uh, to become the second University of California campus because you have UC Berkeley and uh, this particular state senator um, lobbied con Congress to make uh, the Southern version, UCLA, to uh, you know, go with UC Berkeley. And at the time, they met with resistance from just about all UC Berkeley alumni because uh, it was unheard of. They felt that they were sharing uh, their name and they were sharing uh, their financial dollars paid for from the state because uh, it's you know a public institution. Uh, Northern California members of the state legislature, then uh, UC President, President Benjamin Wheeler, uh, vigorously opposed the idea of the Southern campus. Uh, however, the new president of the University of California did not share Wheeler's objections. So on May 23rd, 1919, the Southern branch of the University of California, uh, later named UCLA, was open. Um, at the time, um, in 1923 and in the, in the early 20s and 30s, uh, there was actually, I found this interesting, before UCLA and U USC, one of the biggest rivalries in college sports and, and in general, um, before they had ever played a football game, they were huge crosstown rivals as well because USC was a four-year school and UCLA was only a two-year school up until uh, the late 20s, until 1927. And so uh, USC would talk smack about UCLA and called it the twig that must be some sort of uh, mockery at the time. As far as the athletic team, uh, the UCLA Bruins, they had originally played under the name the Cubs, uh, or even before that as the Grizzlies, the UCLA Grizzlies. Uh, but that name was already taken by the University of Montana, which predates UCLA. Uh, so at the same time, uh, they settled on, on the adopted name, the Bruins, which was actually a... Um, uh, an idea from uh, the University of Berkeley, actually, the student council offered that name, the Bruins, to match their Golden Bears. So that's where the name Bears comes from, Bruins. So growth of the university. It's one of the largest universities in the United States, and every year it breaks the record for the number of people that apply. UCLA, um, it's not necessarily known for its academics, but they receive more applications than any other school in the United States. 
University of Texas is also on there as well, except University of Texas has a much lower admission rate than UCLA. However, UCLA has a low admission rate as well. Both of them do. UCLA is a very small campus. They're located in a very populated area of Los Angeles. The first undergraduate classes on the new campus was held in 1929 with 5,000 students. Also in 1929, the Bruin and Trojan football teams met for the first time. So 1929, the first time UCLA football played USC football. And guess what the outcome was? UCLA lost 76 to zero. And this was in the 20s when they, I don't even think they had a forward pass back then. So it was must have been hard to score 76 points. Do you mind, guys? The UCLA student body in the years gained a radical reputation, and it's always known been known for its uh, protest and its uh, its radical reputation, as Wikipedia says here. In 1934, um, they, they declared UCLA the worst hotbed of communism in the U.S. and suspended five members uh, for using their offices to assist the revolutionary activities of the National Student League, a communist organization. In 1934, UCLA uh, received its first major bequest, still one of the most generous in its history, the William Andrews Clark Memorial Library. The rare books and manuscripts collection includes some of the world's largest collections of English literature, history, history, and fine printing. Now, I want to touch on this. Um, the school that I went to, the University of Texas, they had actually one of the largest record and CD collections in the United States of any university, UCLA has one of the largest library and book collections, including CDs uh, and uh, records, but also books and audio tapes and a lot of rare items as well. UCLA um, is known uh, for one of the best libraries in the world. Uh, UCLA during World War II uh, on December 7th, 1941, with an airstrike on Pearl Harbor, right down the street from where I'm at right now, um, it immediately put the campus on a wartime basis and curriculum uh, was changed um, to assist students who were entering military service. Uh, mail enrollment during this time uh, dropped uh, almost 50 percent and a service banner hung for four years that had 5,702 stars, 151 were gold for uh, Bruins who had lost their lives. However, uh, the numbers were actually much higher. Uh, before the war ended, veteran students on the GI Bill uh, began to trickle into UCLA as across the United States. And by 1947, 43% uh, of the student body at UCLA was male, um, which, which, which is a, a big increase uh, in, in, uh, during war years. Um, in conjunction with the building boom that happened, uh, along with the baby boom, uh, the UCLA medical and law schools were established in 1946 and 1947, and the Department of Theater um, also in 1947. By number by uh, by the student enrollment in in 1950 was a new high of 14,000. So UCLA and the McCarthy era that they were known for a hotbed for communism and a hotbed for student activism. Uh, the rise of communism and the Red Scare in the late 40s, uh, the UC system uh, became suspected of harboring un-American activities. And on October 21, 21st, 1950, the magazine Saturday Evening Post, one of the most popular magazines of the time, uh, published an article called UCLA's Red Cell. 
case history of college communism. Uh, that's something that, you know, you can never get away with now. Um, during its first two decades of existence, UCLA was oriented towards training teachers toward in liberal arts. Um, it gradually became oriented towards scientific research as the decades went on. And the School of Medicine was developed as a primarily as a research institution, the first of its kind on the West Coast. Uh, SWAC, one of the nation's first large computers powered by vacuum tubes, was built by UCLA in 1950. And it was a huge computer as well. IBM established the Western Data Processing Center at UCLA in 1956. They were early adopters. So they were the earliest adopters to the internet and to modern technology and to computers. Motherfucker, we had computers in the 1950s, man. Man, we were on the internet, the ARPANET. I was out there sending messages to Stanford. All right. Up until, uh, again, that was a little much. But yeah, in the 1950s, they were using computers. And uh, also, <laughs> like, anybody listening, they're like, what the fuck was that? Did somebody just take Mr. G's mic? No. Um, no, but they were using uh, computers in the 1950s. And I'm sure we'll get to that in the research. But they were also the very first people to send an internet signal. And if I'm not mistaken, which I'm not usually, uh, it was from UCLA to Stanford. And that that's a head scratcher because why wouldn't they send the message to UC Berkeley, which is also in the Bay Area? Like it's the first ever internet message being sent. And it's going from the first email, you could say. And, and instead of going to their sister school in UC Berkeley, they send it to a private school uh, in uh, opposite of the Bay. But hey, well, there must be a story behind that. Um, but yeah, UC uh, LA grow, grew just like uh, universities across the United States in the 1950s. Um, but as far as athletics go, I mentioned John Wooden earlier. Um, they also had a uh, top football coach, Henry Russell Sanders, from 1949 to 57. Uh, they won the national championship in 1954, uh, but John Wooden's basketball teams uh, became known uh, starting in the 50s, uh, where they won the NCAA championship in 56. And also, um, uh, you know, they, they ended up winning 10 uh, championships later on in the 60s. So there's two, they call it the golden age of UCLA athletics because gold is one of their colors. So the first golden age, John Wooden was involved in, but he was also involved in the second golden age. So it's just the 1950s and the 1960s. But um, in the late 1960s is when the California Master Plan came out. And it was California Master Plan for Higher Education, uh, where they developed uh, you know other campuses and other uh, institutions across the state of California and it rapidly increased the number of uh, specialized research centers as well. Um, and that's why we have, you know, UC Berkeley, uh, UC Santa Barbara, uh, UC Davenport, uh, you know, and that's why uh, they, they the California master plan and eventually Texas would take on and other states would take on the same exact model as the California master education plan. But it very start, first started with UC Berkeley and UCLA. They were the first schools that were like connected to each other. Like, for instance, Texas, we have the University of Texas in Austin, and that's number one, right? And that's the top school in the whole state, hook em horns. But then you also have uh, UTSA, which is University of Texas, San Antonio. 
and they actually are going to play each other in football coming up. But then you also have UT El Paso, UT El Paso, and then you have UT, then you have Texas A&M, the original, and then you have Texas A&M Corpus Christi. So that's where this comes from. The initial one was UC Berkeley and UCLA. So um, the golden age of athletics, the first golden age was uh, in the 1950s. Uh, in the 1960s, that's when uh, John Wooden won 10 awards and um, 10 uh, championships, 10 NCAA basketball championships. Um, the year, uh, January 17, 1969, uh, like I said, there was, uh, they're known for their political activism. And there was uh, two Black Party members, John Huggins, 23, and Bunchy Carter, 26, were slain on the campus in Campbell Hall by members of U.S. organization, a rival Black Power organization. And it was a dispute over leadership that happened on the campus there. Uh, later that year, in 1969, uh, UC Regents fired Angela Davis, who was a radical feminist uh, who openly identified as a member of the Communist Party, which is her constitutional right. Uh, but they fired her for that, and they threatened to withhold grades. Uh, or um, 2,000 students crammed into her auditorium to protest and uh, they, um, you know, the overflowing audience gave the 25-year-old professor a standing ovation. Uh, they uh, eventually reinstated her and, uh, you know, apologized. Student unrest at uh, UCLA was further, further exaggerated when President Richard Nixon ordered the invasion of Cambodia. Uh, there was also incidents when the National Guard fired upon student protesters at Kent State. Uh, so UCLA is known for being uh, one of the top uh, protest universities, I guess. But back to uh, something a little bit lighter, uh, the Internet, um, the ARPANET was the world's first electronic computer network, which was deployed on the UCLA campus by student programmer Charlie Klein at 1030 p.m. on October 29th, 1969. So I, I just want to put that in perspective. That's a, a, like a month or two after they went to the moon. Um for the first time so i'm just like starting to like research the moon landing and stuff it's just like there are some questions like they weren't even able to send an internet signal between two universities in california before they managed to fly a man to the moon and then call the president from the moon on a landline phone like what but you couldn't do an internet signal between two universities with these huge ass computers. What? How could you get a little spacecraft to talk to somebody on the moon? Like I'm calling bullshit. I used to make fun of people who said the moon landing was a hoax, but there's some fucking bullshit there. All right. But back to UCLA, the ARPANET, it was the very first internet. Uh, the military used it, um, and uh, like I said, um, it was, uh, you know, initiated at UCLA. So what else do we have? Um, I'm, I'm all unorganized today for some reason. I don't know. I guess I I, uh, I drank uh, coffee. So uh, the 80s and 90s, we haven't talked about UCLA in the 80s and 90s. We got it to the 60s and 70s. 
1981, the UCLA Medical Center uh, became known uh, because they diagnosed the very first AIDS patient and they came up with a, an affliction later to be called AIDS. Uh, in 1981, before that, it did not exist. In 1984, during the U.S. Olympics, UCLA hosted the gymnastics and the tennis competitions. Uh, the next Olympics are also being held in Los Angeles, too. Uh 1987, Professor David Cram won the Nobel Prize for Chemistry. Uh, UCLA has had a lot of Nobel Prize winners, not as many as their sister school in the North, Berkeley. Uh, in 1995, 2001, and 2004, Mother Jones Magazine named UCLA as a top 10 activist campus, uh, which says a lot of, uh, you think about all those liberal arts schools and everything like that. Uh, personally, I've been to the UCLA campus. I've uh, driven through there a couple of times and it's a nice campus. It's right there in the city center. So I wouldn't say it's in the, the dangerous area, area. A lot of college campuses, especially state schools across the United States, they'll be in the middle of the state and there won't be anything around them except that university will be a quote unquote college town. But sometimes like you look at the University of Nebraska, which is like right in the middle of Nebraska and there's supposedly nothing around and so everybody that you see in the neighborhood or at the store or at the bar or at the restaurant, they're associated with the university in some way, which kind of makes it feel like a community in, in a lot of sense. Uh, but then you have schools like the University of Texas that's in the city of Austin, and it's in the city center of Austin. So, you know, basically around the University of Texas, it's college area, college students, college employees, university employees, uh, but somewhere by the University of California, Los Angeles, one of the smallest schools and, and one of the smallest state universities, it's like right there in the middle of the city from the few times I've driven through there. And it's just so congested and everything. And you got it seems like you have to have other things going on, like you have to have a, a job at a restaurant or working in an office or you're in the city of Los Angeles, you know, and, you know, not everybody is involved with UCLA and some of them you know may not even like UCLA. But UCLA uh, is more famously at mo one of the most famous universities around the world. Uh, their colors are true blue and gold. So you want to know true blue? That's the UCLA blue. And they actually represent the state's oceans and wildflowers, blue and gold. Nice, huh? Like I said, they were originally called the Cubs. And uh, they, they were a younger extension of UC Berkeley. So UC Berkeley were the Bears. And since UCLA came after UC Berkeley, they were the Cubs. And UC Berkeley also came up with a name for the uh, UCLA team as well. Um, they actually used to use a live bear on the field during UCLA home football games uh, until animal rights organizations in California you know, ordered it to stop, which is understandable. You don't want a live bear running around. It's going to grab a cheerleader and just monster her up. Um, so they switched to the costumed bear. And uh, one thing, you, UCLA, I actually like USC a little better because their mascots are kind of lame. They have the two bears, UCLA. They have Joe Bruin. And um, later on, they added Josephine Bruin. And these two little stuffed bears like get into little mischief with each other. And we're supposed to love them and adore them. But yeah. I like the coyote in San Antonio Spurs because he's got attitude. You know, even Rocky for the Denver Nuggets, congratulations. They they both have attitude. Rocky was uh, the most well-known, one of the most well-known ma mascots in NBA basketball. 
before the team ever even won a playoff series. Like when you thought of the Denver Nuggets, you thought about Rocky, their mascot. But uh, now that's changed because they finally with uh, changed the uh, mentality. So uh, the powdered keg blue uniforms, uh, people remember UCLA for their gold and true blue uniforms. And uh, they were actually first chosen all the way back in 1949 by Red Sanders. And he even came up with the idea about the gold ribbon uh, around the helmet and the shoulders to make it stand out from other teams that also use the colors blue and gold. So uh, we're going to talk briefly about uh, famous graduates that went to UCLA uh, James Dean went to UCLA. Jim Morrison went to UCLA. Uh, he actually met uh, his bandmate, Ray Manzarek, uh, after graduation, after Ray Manzarek graduated. Uh, legendary coach John Wooden won 10 straight national, 10 national championships during his entire time at UCLA, more than any other coach. No other school has had won as many championships basketball as UCLA. Kentucky is second with eight championships. So in recent years, uh, Kentucky has caught up. So Kentucky, eight championships, UCLA, 10. Uh, UCLA receives the most college applications of the world, and each year it sets a new record. Uh, students at UCLA, they participate in a tradition called Midnight Yell during finals week, and it is exactly that. They yell at midnight as a break from studying. I, I mean, maybe there's a part of me that wants to just yell, but you have a bunch of people yelling at midnight, that's not a good idea, all right? And and, and cats don't like that either. Um, they're big on uh, traditions. During rivalry, rivalry week in 1993, a group of students actually covered the infamous Hollywood sign uh, and made it say, Go Bruins, as an example. Um, but it, it was a football game between UCLA and USC. Uh, the top five most popular undergraduate majors at UCLA are biology, business economics, political science, psychology, and psychobiology. Uh, needless to say, UCLA are deep thinkers. Uh, like I said, it's one of the top science institutes and one of the top research institutes. The UCLA campus uh, it hasn't always been in Westwood. Uh, it used to be the uh, city where the now the Los Angeles City College in Hollywood uh, but it moved to Westwood in 1929. Uh, Ray Bradbury, the famous author, wrote his novel Fahrenheit 451 at Powell Library in 1951. He was looking for a quiet space outside of his apartment, and he took a liking to the Powell basement. Uh, UCLA, like I said, is one of the smallest UC campuses. It's the second smallest. Uh, because of its location, it's in a dense part of one of the largest cities in the world, uh, UCLA, it's only 419 acres, and it's just 10% the size of the largest UC campus, UC Davis, which is over 5,000 acres. So you, UC LA, less than 500 acres. UC Davis, 5,000 acres. UC Davis is a campus 10 times as big. Um, UCLA's award-winning newspaper, The Daily Bruin, is the third most circulated newspaper in Los Angeles. Similar to the newspaper that I worked for in Austin, uh, the student newspaper, uh, The Daily Texan. Uh, the Daily Texan is actually the most circulated college newspaper in the United States. Sorry, uh, Daily Bruin, but I got you beat there, all right? <laughs> University of Texas is the most circulated college newspaper. Um, 
what uh famous people we mentioned uh jim morrison went to ucla we mentioned ray manzara and went to ucla so every time you hear those doors songs they're singing about ucla all right the most famous alumni uh, like I said, they're known for their theater, film, and television, but they also have one of the top schools of dentistry as well. Uh, James Franco went to UCLA, but if you research this a little bit, uh, they kind of just like there's just pictures of James Franco just sleeping in all of his classes. And it's like he registered for a bunch of classes, but always reports that he never even attended some courses he didn't attend a single day. And the instructors didn't fail him and they just kept passing him and letting him graduate. And so he ended up getting uh, PhDs from UCLA. And that kind of like, you know, cheapens the degree for regular students when you're just giving this actor guy like five PhDs or something just because he wants them. And what about the people that actually worked hard for them? What about the people with that spent sleepless nights studying for tests that makes me glad I did not go to UCLA. And hearing that, I, I would never want to go to UCLA. They just gave this actor because he was already a famous actor and he just decides to, oh, I want to be a, uh, I want to have a PhD in English and I want to have a PhD in theater and I want to have a PhD in science. And I have you know, and he doesn't even go to the classes. He doesn't even do the work and they just give him the degree. Lucky has to interrupt my podcast because she is uh, jealous. I have a jealous kitty cat. So, uh, yeah, James Franco. One thing, uh, let's not mention him. He has a pretty bad reputation, too. Uh, John Williams, though, uh, received his Ph.D. in economics at UCLA. You may not think of John Williams as, you know, top doctor of economics, but uh, you know, especially because what he did, what he did as a composer between Star Wars, Jaws, E.T., Raiders of the Lost Ark, Jurassic Park, Harry Potter. Uh, he actually has 49 Academy Award nominations and is the most accomplished movie composer. There have been other movie composers as well uh, who have followed in his footsteps and attended UCLA. Some of the top music composers in the world come from UCLA. The city of Los Angeles has always been known from uh, known for producing music, and uh, UCLA, I'd say, uh, you know, like I said, the Doors and a bunch of other uh, famous musicians as well. Um, so another famous UCLA uh, alumni is Jackie Robinson, and Jackie Robinson, uh, you know, first Black uh, American baseball player. Uh, he led the tradition of segregation in sports, and he actually played baseball, track, football, and basketball for UCLA. In 1939, he became uh, one of the first Black players on the UCLA football team. And so a lot of people remember Jackie Robinson uh, for what he did uh, in Major League Baseball, but um, he also, like I said, UCLA uh, always being uh, historically one of the schools uh, for civil rights, uh, for activism. And uh, Jackie Robinson was the very first uh, African-American, the very first black football player on the UCLA football team. That's something that you do not hear about a lot. And uh, it needs to be known. Another uh, great UCLA sports player that was also a, that is also a great writer is the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who played under coach John Wooden. Kareem was seven foot two and ended up playing in the NBA 
you know, scoring just about more points than any other player of all time. And uh, he altered uh, when uh, he was uh, one. He also became a political writer. Uh, Kareem won three consecutive championships at NCAA, and uh, he received his degree and wrote ended up writing about uh, racism and politics. I'd encourage anybody to check out Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's writing uh, and his spoken word, which is really great. Like myself, if you were to ask Kareem Abdul-Jabbar what he does for a living, he would say writer. He wouldn't say former professional basketball player. And same with me. Despite me feeding 100 street cats every morning at 3 a.m., what do I do for a living? I'm a writer. Okay, now, uh, it may not be a household name, but in 1985, uh, Taylor Wang, UCLA graduate, became the first uh, Chinese-American astronaut. Taylor graduated with three degrees from UCLA, and he holds many U.S. patents in different science subjects. Uh, Ralph Bunchy uh, is very well known. He was the first um, black person to win the Nobel Peace Prize, and he was a, a graduated from UCLA as valedictorian as well. Actor, comedian Steve Martin uh, transferred into UCLA all the way back in 1967 as a theater major. major. Uh, however, he ended up dropping out without a degree. Uh, you see a lot of students, they end up dropping out, and you always hear, they, he dropped out with only one credit left. He dropped out and needed only two credits left. And normally that's because um, there's one particular class that you just cannot get through. And with me, my, the last class I needed was Spanish fourth semester. And so that was the hardest class. I needed that one class to get my degree. Uh, and I wasn't going to stop until I had that credit. Uh, but other students, I remember I knew this girl um, and uh, at the University of Texas, and she was a great student. She was in the honors program, just like I was. And uh, she had every credit that she needed for a science degree, except for the three hour speech credit. And she didn't have the speech credit because she did not like speaking in front of people. She was very uh, shy, very sweet girl, though. If you're listening, uh, Tommy, uh, she called me Tommy. Uh, Tommy says, hi, uh, April. All right. I think that was her name. <laughs> I'm sorry. But, but, yo, you know, sweetheart. Sweetheart, uh, you know, Tommy here. Tommy loves you. Tom Tommy loves you, baby. Tommy loves you. Um, but yeah, she didn't receive her degree because she, uh, you know, didn't want to take that one speech class, which is sad. All right, another famous UCLA student, Myla Kunis. Myla Kunis, um, she was on the 70s show when she was like 14, 15. So I guess she attended UCLA after that. Oh, uh, people pretended like they didn't know who she was. Um, it says she only attended UCLA for one month before dropping out. Oh, I would have never guessed it. Famous actress, you know, goes to you. Famous actress from that 70s show decides to be a, a student at UCLA. All right, next up. Uh, like I said, they're known for their musicians and their composers. Another great uh, UCLA musician is Randy Newman. Uh, Randy Newman uh, had finished his music degree uh, from the University of UCLA. Uh, he only had one semester left to spare. However, it didn't affect his future because Rand Randy eventually won six Grammys as well as Emmys and Oscars. His voice is well known around the world and the songs are legendary. Uh, he's not a rock band, Randy Newman. 
but Randy Newman has been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's also, you know, considered a Disney Legion after working on eight Pixar movies. Uh, another great composer, James Horner, who did the soundtrack to the Titanic, and he wrote the famous song, My Heart Will Go On, uh, sung by Celine Dion, most notably. Uh, and he also uh, is a UCLA graduate. Uh, we haven't spoken about many sports, um, but um, but Russell Westbrook, uh, because Russell Westbrook, you know what type of player he is, and he wasn't going to go to UCLA without getting his degree. Uh, so he played 75 games total for the basketball team, and which you know, which is a lot of games for a college basketball player, especially a high draft pick. Uh, he won uh, honors and graduated with a degree in sports communication. Uh, Russell Westbrook is a smart individual. He may not be the nicest guy in the room, but he's a smart dude. He really is. In fact, uh, Russell Westbrook is only the second player uh, in NBA history um, to uh, score the most number of triple doubles in a season. Um, who else? So uh, Susan Wojcicki, head of YouTube, is also uh, 